1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. How are you?
2: Good morning, Kathy. I'm keeping quite well. Thank you. Excellent. Yourself?
1: I'm doing well. I'm actually recording um, from at our place up north, so everything seems to be going well. So all is good on my end. You're hearing everything well?
2: Yes, yes. Everything is coming coming along very well. I can hear you without any issues.
1: Perfect. Well. So we have another arm to our process here. I can record in different places. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh it's wonderful, it's that a we're wonderful able thing. to do it. Yes, exactly. It
1: um, as you know, our show today is taped, so no calling in. Um, but please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three places. And please do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca if uh, you have anything you'd like to talk to us about. And do I do thank everyone who is emailing us. Um, it's great to see uh, the support. And uh, we'll continue to bring to you as many great guests as we can. And please do subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all of your favorite podcast platforms. And you can find us and our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasa.com. So, Alex, I had a whole different um, little segment here to to talk about, but i 'll defer okay. that to another day because right. I just read a great article, something that gives me great happiness and uh, This is that uh, there is a new guideline that has been set out in Canada. To Treat obesity, and it was published today in the uh, Canadian Medical Association Journal in you partnership. May,
2: you, you may want to mention the, the date if uh, since people are going to be since hearing this, this is in recorded, yes. Yeah. So today's
1: yes. date is Tuesday, August the 4th. So it was published today from what I read, and again, this is uh, from the Canadian Medical Association, published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal in partnership with Obesity Canada. And what this guideline is, is it's recommending a fundamental shift in how doctors and physicians address people living with obesity. Um, and this report aims to address several issues, including the misconceptions about people with obesity, such, that, such as that they are unwilling to handle um, their health or they don't care or they're being irresponsible when it comes to their eating habits, this is something that that we've seen um, habitually uh, in the treatment of of people with obesity. So the the new guideline is suggesting that doctors begin, and and this is where you're going to really understand why it made me smile, Uh, the doctors are suggesting, or the guideline is suggesting that doctors begin to focus on the goals that patients consider to be important rather than just focusing on weight loss. It also suggests um, suggests shifting away from the diet and exercise model of weight loss. And here's where it makes me happy: they do suggest addressing root causes of someone's excessive weight. Right. Um, and and this, you know, when I hear root cause, it just it, it it just shows me that we are progressing so much on the healthcare front. You know, the weight loss or obesity can can be rooted in in many things. It can be rooted in genetics, cultural practices, bad childhood experiences, mental health conditions. I know you're right. trying to say something. So jump in
2: there. No, that's OK. I was going to ask you, can you repeat the first point that the article made? Like there were three points that you made, but the, the very first one.
1: About, about the doctors addressing the goals of the patient?
2: Yeah, I think that that in particular is one of the most important things um, because it's such a challenge for us to sort of uh, make changes in our life, especially when, you know, we get comfortable and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, but if we decided um, and we got the motivation and and inspiration from our doctors to then look at ourselves and figure out what's important for us. Yes. Then ultimately that uh, treatment, however it will uh, come about is going to um, sort of last longer because we take, we take that initiative and take control. You hear that a lot. I mean, I hear that a lot with, with uh, doctors. They, They always tell me to, you know, try and be proactive, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is one way to, to go about that. I think that's an uh, excellent point. That
1: it's, a, f- it's a fundamental, fundamental yeah. shift, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, perhaps when you're dealing with someone who has a weight issue, as I mentioned, it, it may not be overeating. It could be a number of, of factors. And if you talk to somebody, you know, when I'm doing consultations, I ask, what is your goal? So when I'm dealing with cancer patients, it may not be to get through treatment. Their goal may be completely different. I would like to lose weight. I would like to gain weight. I would like to be able to maintain um, my exercise. You know, what I feel is a goal may not necessarily align with what their goal is. And when you're approaching something from the patient's perspective, yeah, things will stick.
2: Because every, every patient is unique.
1: Exactly. And then when you're addressing and, and helping them to achieve their goals, other pieces start to fall into place. This is, a, it, to me, this is, is such an important um, milestone that we've reached, and I hope that it, it, it filters down into other areas of healthcare. When it comes to um, the, the topic of obesity, they're recommending that um, the doctors ask permission to discuss weight loss with the patient. You know, maybe the patient doesn't want to talk about their weight loss. They, they want the doctors to start understanding again this root cause, discuss treatment options, and collaborate. With the patient for long term goals. This, you know, in, in the past 30 years, the rate of obesity in Canada has tripled. And wow. those that are considered to have severe obesity um, are more than a million, uh, 1 million nine, uh, 1.9 million. And this is just in Canada. And, you know, obesity has been, we've talked about this many, many times. Obesity is linked to many health issues like type 2 diabetes, uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, uh, and different cancers, colon cancer, kidney cancer, uh, breast cancer, esophageal cancer, you know, many cancers. So, you know, this is the first time that this guideline has been updated since 2006. Um, and, but beyond, to, for me, beyond the topic of obesity, it makes me feel happy because I think that healthcare is moving in the right direction. I just, um, yeah, it was uh, a great thing for me to read this morning, and I wanted to bring it forward.
2: And you took the words right out of, right out of my mouth when you when you said that. Yeah, it's it was, it's, uh, it's it, a beautiful. It really thing. is something that uh, is um, hopefully going to provide a lot of of uh, make it all a positive experience in terms exactly. of exactly making us. Uh, get to a point in our individual health that we can You know, take control and be confident with the decisions that we make.
1: Exactly. Invest in our own health. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's fundamental to what I believe. Fundamental to what I believe. So um, take a look at that. It was, like I said, it was published today, uh, Tuesday, August the 4th. Let me backtrack here. And it is in, um, where is it in? It is in the Canadian Medical Association Journal in partnership with Obesity Canada. So take a look at that if that interests you. On to today's show, very interesting topic, something new to our show. We are talking with Brian Simone. He is known as Brian the Birth Guy. He's a doula, certified lactation counselor, and prenatal imaging specialist. Brian holds a degree in radiology, studied biology and chemistry with an emphasis in pathophysiology, and owns Baby Vision Ultrasound, San Antonio's leader in 3D and 4D prenatal imaging sound, ultrasound. He created the Rocking Dads Childbirth Class for Birth Partners and the Facilitating Fearless Birth Class for Couples and co-authored the Go-To Guide for New Dads. He has partnered with over 20,000 couples in his ultrasound clinics, birth classes, speaking engagements, and hospitals as a doula, and he lives in San Antonio, Texas. We are talking about the role of dads in birthing and parenting. And the learning points among lots of things that we talked about are how can dads be involved in the birthing process? Why is communication so important before the birth of a child? And how can dads help out with breastfeeding, the, the breastfeeding process? So we will be back, everybody, in a few minutes to talk to Brian Salmon.
3: you
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome
1: back, everybody. As mentioned, our show is being taped today, so no opportunity for calling in. But please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at The Health Hub RMC. Now, welcome to our great guest here, Brian. Brian, thank you so much for coming to our show. We really appreciate your time.
4: It's super honor to be here. Was, I've been anticipating this all the last weekend and after we spoke and, and I'm really excited to reach out to your to your listeners.
1: Well, it, it's such a, an interesting thing that uh, a gentleman is in the area of dueling and lactation consulting. Give us a, a, a good idea of how this came to be for you.
4: I I hit my head and I just woke up like that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Some people people might think that, right? Well, actually, um, you know, I, I did have an interest in OBGYN when I was younger. My career started pretty early in radiology, and during my second year internship, one of my really good friends got pregnant and her guy just left her and we were we were super, super close. Her dad was one of my favorite people, Bruce, and he was dying of esophageal cancer at the time. And they had asked me to help her and be her, her partner for her birth because we were very close and I was very honored and I did it. And I actually thought it was fantastic. Um, needless to say, my career kept going in Radiology in um, MRI mainly as a clinical clinical education specialist, and so. I did that for quite a while, and then when we got pregnant with our first baby 15 years ago, well, almost 16 years ago, oh my <laughs> Time goodness.
1: flies, doesn't it? It's
4: <laughs> hard to say but almost 16 years ago um, I decided to switch gears and go towards babies, so I opened an imaging center here in San Antonio, prenatal imaging center and started um, reaching out and talking to dads because there really wasn't much available for dads. You know, and people uh, oftentimes mistakenly think I just work with dads and partners but I don't. I work with every I have like a a program for moms as well and for grandparents, Uh, you know, not not, you know, leaving out the whole lactation side of it. Right. And so so I just kind of started falling into that. It was funny. We had a company here. I don't know if you guys had it in in Canada called Babies R Us. They're now out of Mm town, out of. They're done now. They've dissolved. But uh, they used to teach classes there, and they asked me if I wanted to teach a dad's class, and I'm like, uh, yeah. And so I went ahead and did that, and I was looking at this one program they were using. I'm not going to say the program, but I didn't like it because as a, a new dad who was looking for information, there was really not a lot out there to grasp onto for men because everything, and still it plays true till this day. That's why I wrote my book because... All the books and everything out there, they kind of just take jabs at mom and they're really just kind of trying to be funny and show little scenarios that are that are kind of silly and whatever, just kind of be be guyish. And to me, I just felt that was really counterproductive.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, um, you said something hard for you to say, 16 year old. I just had my son turn 30. So imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I know. right? I was a child bride.
4: There you go. Um, Kathy, I I actually said the words "I'm going to be 51" yesterday. I just want you to know how that feels, right? I'm like, can I take back the year because of the whole COVID thing? Can I just stay 51 more year?
1: We all get that extra year, don't we? We don't count this year at all. It's just it's just done for.
4: Thank you. I needed that.
1: There you go, 50 all over. So, okay. So, interestingly enough, I mean, the evolution of dads in the birthing process, in raising children. Obviously, we've come a long way from, you know, leave it to beaver where the dad leaves for the, the day and the mom is responsible for everything. Women are at work. There's a, a shared, There there is the ideal of a shared raising for children. But when you first started, what was the climate for dads Um, I mean, we got all the processes. Right. So let's talk about what was the climate for dads as far as pregnancy and in the birthing room. We'll talk about the rest after.
4: Sure. Well, uh, you know, that's a great question because the climate was really slightly scary for dads because Mm -hmm. there was really nothing out there giving a lot of information. And whenever you go to a partner class typically I see childbirth educators and th- this is very true. They, they, they really weigh it heavily on mom. So that doesn't really rally the partner. It makes the partner feel like they're um, a bystander sitting, standing from the outside. And I felt there needed to be something that really pulls people together from the beginning of the journey. Both people, you know, they've got both feet in, you know, mm-hmm. and so, so learning that makes a big difference. So we start started for me, I think uh, the, the, biggest effect I think I had was getting dads to feel comfortable in the space because they understood the space but they also had to understand mom and what's happening with mom and pregnant moms sometimes don't explain it that that well because they're not programmed to um, you know we, we I learned from one of my mentors Robbie Davis Floyd she's written many books she's a cultural anthropologist um, you know PhD in that and she's amazing and I said well Robbie, what's going on here? Why Why do mom, I know hormones, but what's really going on? She goes, Brian, moms are primally, they're programmed. It's primal. You know, there's a primal thing for moms to push back at the, at the dads. And mm-hmm. you see this all through nature. And she showed me something with like silverbacks. And the, the, the female just literally grabbed the grass and dirt and threw it right at the Male, silver, <laughs> pack this big, tough looking guy. And then he had the look on his face that I had seen on many guys' faces.
1: <laughs> well, you know, so, and, and moms, to to be fair, because I can speak to this. Yes. Moms may not even know exactly what's going on. That's um, my point. And, and so it. <sighs> I guess to share it as an adventure where both of you are taking this journey that is new. I mean, we're talking first times. Sure. So I'm, you know, the second, third, and fourth, which are mine are, are old hat. But, um, you know, it, it, it's difficult for moms to sometimes express what's going on. And there's a fear. I mean, there is a fear underlying there, the pain, especially first times.
4: Absolutely. And that, that's where my point was going to is that moms don't know it. So they have to like realize I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, being my normal self, but they, they, it's not something that's easy. The way that that it happens is, the partner needs to start changing language, and the partner needs to start talking about the future, and the partner needs to really let her know he's there to protect her and to to help raise this baby and to be there every step of the way, holding her hand as a partner, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and for a lot of people, they don't know how to speak that language because most people don't know conflict resolution very well. It's just Mm. typical. And so, so learning conflict resolution and changing your language makes a big difference. So it's, they start seeing these changes. I have them do this exercise where I go, okay, I want you guys to go home. To your partner, and I want you to write down ten things you used to do. Get her in the mix. Say, "Come here, babe, Let's talk about this." Ten things we used to do before we were pregnant, and then we're going to look at that list, and then we're going to cross out the ones we can't do with the baby, and we're going to fill in those blanks. And but by partner seeing, you know, her 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 partner actually taking these steps to to look at the future and to help her and him realize that their life isn't going to end (laughs) and that there are things you can do and make it fun. When you do exercises like this, it changes the the dimension and the whole dynamic of of that relationship.
1: And it's a we versus a you. I mean, just changing those words into how our life is changing. And uh, we've come a long way, I think. And, And even with the understanding of talking to the baby and the science behind, you know, hearing dad's voice. And I know that it's all happening within the female body, but there is so much of a connection that a dad can make. And it's such a beautiful thing when you're sharing in the pregnancy.
4: Absolutely. You know, so, so just doing different Little exercises like that and getting out with mom and, you know, maybe making an agreement. Sometimes I tell parents I like, go, You guys you guys obsess on strollers and car seats and all these things, but they're just things. You need to you need to take some of that time and spend it on your relationship, on where, yeah. where you guys would like to see it go, how you guys are communicating. Is there a lot of anxiety right now anticipating this baby and why? And how can we, we start changing it? So we might do things like gratitude journals and and I mean, it's really it's really a program that keeps moving on. You know, I work with the dads individually, work with the moms individually, work with them together. And even if they have family members that are going to be heavily involved, we work towards the postpartum aspect of that because uh, family members, they oftentimes think they, they're doing a lot of help, but they're doing kind of a little bit of harm.
1: <laughs> you well, know, are, are, you know, It's are good you, intention. And are you fighting with two generations? Like I, 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 you. I think, um, you know, as my kids have babies, uh, be, because of you know, all all my kids had my husband present. Well, my one son was a C section, but um, maybe the generational influences are you are you dealing with them as well and having to overcome them?
4: Well, you know, it's funny because I see here we have a very heavy Hispanic culture in San Antonio, where I'm based out of, mm-hmm. and a lot of these guys, you know, some of them have the dads that were just all the way involved and really in that were not the norm. Whereas, you know, with the culture, there was a lot of cultural, um, you know, machismo type of things where the Mm -hmm. guys, men had to be men and blah, 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 whatever. So there was not that same engagement with the children. They were out making the money and doing whatever and coming home and eating and, you know, seeing the kids a little, but it wasn't so engaged where I'm seeing a big turn in that when they know they have the actual space to do it. And they see that it's not just as a parent, it's as a partner. It's from the beginning, from the get-go. How involved are you going to be during this pregnancy to walk your partner through it? You know, As her body's changing and she's dealing with insecurities about being a mom, insecurities about breastfeeding maybe, right? Because people have hyped it up to be so difficult where really it's just Mm -hmm. a natural thing that can occur pretty easily, usually. And you know, and a lot of it is headspace. So we work on the headspace throughout the pregnancy so that mom doesn't have a lot of catecholamines or stress hormones going on. We work on um, making sure that during the labor she feels safe and confident because everything's driven on oxytocin, right? So you have to understand oxytocin, the whole mechanism. In the early stages and when i explained it to guys you know I, I typically say oxytocin is responsible for our trust for our friendships for our love for our intimacy you know an orgasm is a big dose of oxytocin and it's also you know what causes mom to have her contractions and also helps mom feed the baby by ejecting the milk getting her uterus to come back down to size so once they see this chain of that then you go but here's the thing guys oxytocin is very fragile. So oxytocin can be swayed by catecholamines or stress hormones. You know, you get one step forward, two steps back sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that can slow down the whole program. And But when things slow down or when things don't go the way that you want them to go, people generally get discouraged, right? So that just puts that on top of it. So it's learning how to get out of those holes, learning how to stay on top and keep the, the, the whole situation very calm and very peaceful.
1: You you're actually talking physiology and yes. how you can integrate daily habits and connections with physiology and that alone must be eye-opening for some people, men and women.
4: It really is. You know, one thing I do with my clients that's kind of fun is I really love seeing this, especially when I've got this kind of guy who's real tough and kind of has an exterior. that's a little crusty, you know, mm-hmm. just really like, mm, you know, he's there, he's engaged, but he doesn't know how to take the space. Well, I do hands on exercises, too, because I need to teach them how to touch each other for certain things like different hip squeezing and stuff like that. Right. Which helps mom's pain. And so. I also make them sit in front of each other, hold hands, and I tell them, you got one minute, no talking, and you're going to do what's called eye gazing. And I want you to think only positive things about your partner, not, uh, he didn't take out the trash earlier or something like that, right? (laughs) So I want all these positive uh, things when the first time you met, first time you kissed her, why you want to have a baby with her, why you want to have a baby with him go and then we go at it and their reaction is incredible because it's a deeper type of intimacy. It's a whole other level, you know, and, mm-hmm. and having a baby and, and becoming a family, that's a whole different type of intimacy that you have to learn. It's not easy. It's not a low hanging fruit. So I put them in this exercise and typically they will laugh and then start crying. It's really, it's charged. Emotional. It's, a, it's a really charged and emotional thing. It's the longest minute ever. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they do this and afterwards like, whoa, I like that. So, so then I have them do it every day until the baby comes. And a lot of people carry on that behavior because it's, it's a very, they, they find it to go from feeling a little uncomfortable because it's so deep and intimate to feeling very safe and being a very private spot for them and only them.
1: That's beautiful. Now, is the expectation um, that the dad is in the delivery room? Is that an expectation or is that still a question?
4: I think it should happen regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but dad should be in there and always. You know, It makes such a difference when you have your partner, but when you really work together. Okay, let's back up. So when we watch television and we see someone having a baby especially on like sitcoms and stuff but what most people watch right even in the dramas uh the the, they'll be in there pushing and then she'll be like don't touch me get out of here Mm -hmm. right and we look at it oh i kicked him out of the room and it's like kind of cool and fun it's not and it's not funny (laughs) at all it's really sad Mm -hmm. that people see it that way because people will replay that type of behavior And by by having a partner there with you, holding you, touching you, guiding you, non-verbally communicating with you, and you guys doing it together, the father seeing his baby's first face, it's incredible, you know? And And I I
1: think, too, um, you know, we always do focus on the mom and the mom's body, the mom's baby. There are a lot of things that dads are privy to before the mom or unique things and do they need to be played up so the dad has has a connection a personal connection to the baby that's different from moms he's not an extension of mom he has his own role
4: yeah absolutely well you know it's funny because the whole the whole principle of how dad's mom with their baby got smeared by by um, marketing with, with formula companies back, you know, dad can now feed the baby and bond with the baby. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but it's not really a bonding time with a bottle because mm-hmm. babies are pretty much on on autopilot in the beginning. They're just working on reflexes, but they do they do find that bond with mom because they're inside of mom. You know, mom's skin to skinning them. They know that's where their food source is, and it it's it's different. So a lot of guys think that's the only way to bond, and they still think that because they hear it from their parents or their grandparents right so it's unlearning what society has put on and when these guys actually get get involved and learn breastfeeding i teach i require that partner comes to breastfeeding class mm-hmm. because it's important that both of them are on on point together and understand the whole process because when you look at i, I put physiology and everything my my other um, studies were in uh biochem pathophysiology. So I know a lot about that stuff. Yeah. And so, and I think it's very pertinent when people understand it, it actually is eye-opening and changes their attitudes on things, especially things that were ingrained in them because they see the logic and this is just physiology, right? So when we can get partners to to really, really be involved with, you know, getting the baby to mom for breastfeeding, re- really helping her with her latch and understanding latch. And then, um, you know, I do this thing where when, we, when partners go home postpartum, I have it ingrained in them already that both of them have their significant roles, right? Because people don't know, they've never done it before or they think grandma's gonna be there to help or someone's gonna be there to help, right? Well, a lot of times that just puts baby in a bad routine. Because when grandma leaves, they're not doing it like grandma. And then babies have a routine, and when mm-hmm. babies don't like the change of routine, they cry. Right? They get very, <laughs> very mad, and they keep up that behavior for a little while. <laughs> so it's not very fun. <laughs> uh, so, so I tell you know I get them ready for this, and I say even in the hospital, you're going to be helping her with breastfeeding. You're going to be there supporting her. Um, you, you make sure she gets up and walks or whatever needs to happen. You guys are going to do this together. You're in it together when you go home. You're in it together because I want you guys to lead it first. So I. I typically tell people if you do this it's probably going to work a lot better for you and then you train whoever's going to help you guys to follow you and shadow you and only mimic what you're doing so your baby mm-hmm. stays in the routine that you set right 100
1: 100
4: thank you kathy and i so, totally
1: agree
4: so the rules are sleep when the baby sleeps so when you get home whenever the baby goes to sleep go to sleep Everybody goes to sleep. Set your alarm for two and a half hours max because you want to feed the baby every two to two and a half hours, right? You know, you mm-hmm. get 10 to 12 feeds in a day. And then uh, if the baby wakes up, go get the baby. You take the baby out of the onesie. Give baby to mom or change the diaper if you need to. Uh, mom latches the baby. She's in the spot she wants to be. She gets her baby latched. Or if you guys are bottle feeding, she's got the bottle there ready. Um, and um, then dad goes to the kitchen and grabs a little snack. So I talk to them about meal prepping ahead, helping, having family help them meal prep so that they, don't, they feel more involved with the postpartum when they're not going to be there. Because yeah, <laughs> you're going to say, don't come over yet. <laughs> and then uh, he, he brings some food to mom, feeds mom and him like a little snack. It doesn't have to be a gigantic meal. It's a little snack and, and the baby's eating. So they're having a family meal together and then mom feels cared for, right? And yes. I also tell them when you bring the baby to mom and get her started, rub her like, touch her neck sweetly, kiss her, stroke her hair, tell her how beautiful she is, all the great things she's doing and how grateful you are for that. Because that helps mom feel their value because a lot of times moms feel a little funny after they've had a baby. Their hormones are off, their body's different, and they don't know what's going on. You know, they, they oh. just, they feel I'll a little fun. You,
1: life changes at the the last push. Uh, you walk <laughs> yes, out sure a, a couple and you come home, a family. We're going to take a quick break here, Brian, and come back and just continue our discussion. Everybody will be back in a minute.
5: lying around where it went down water rising back to silence quietly crying wondering how and look at us now we thought our love would take the world by storm are we too far apart Two worlds among the stars You're gonna take a piece of my heart If you leave So it's two separate ways Or am I too late to say I wanna fight for what we got Cause I believe In faith trying we're simply surviving we're facing these giants the bigger they are the harder they fall but i still believe in the dreams we've been dreaming the hope that we built on is never too far it's never too far if we choose to turn and let these walls fall down Are we too far apart Two worlds among the stars You're gonna take a piece of my heart if you leave So it's two separate ways, or am I too late to say I wanna fight for what we got, cause I believe in family
6: Family. Family. Family,
0: you are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria, Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email. T-H-H at RadioMaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Piasi. Welcome
1: back, everybody. Having a great conversation here with Brian Simone, and we're just going to continue on because I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, what we were talking about with, with lactation and feeding the baby is, um, you know, I'm, I'm well past that, obviously. I've seen three kids grow up into wonderful adults. And my husband nurtured me and nurtured them all along the way. And I think that now looking back, the relationship that he has developed with my children is unique and completely different from mine. And for me, that's where you want to be. I don't know if you have a different opinion of that, but... To me, the role the dad plays in helping with the baby and nurturing and caring for the baby is extremely vital, but also how he treats mom because children see that.
4: It's amazing. And that's something that I really encourage uh, the the dads to do is to treat her sweetly. Like I said, someone bringing the baby love on her so her oxytocin gets going and she feels loved and cared for, Get bring the food, feed her. And then, um, you know, after that, dad will run into the bathroom and set up mom's hygiene for her because when she's breastfeeding, especially, she's going to be bleeding more. And you're bleeding for about a month postpartum. And your uterus starts contracting back down to size a lot faster when you breastfeed. Usually, you know, just four to six weeks compared to you know maybe six to eight compared to thirteen to fifteen weeks, right? And so, so dad gets everything ready for, her, then takes the baby and takes care of the baby. Mom is now encouraged. To go take care of herself, because a lot of times people fall into postpartum depression with, you, you know, not the lack of taking care of themselves and lack of, of you know, feeling basically. Mm-hmm. But when you keep mom feeling and happy and, and, you know, really make an agreement or a pact ahead of time that if one of you guys falls into postpartum depression, because dads get it too, you know, ah, that's uh, not
1: enough to talk about.
4: Yes, it sure is. Uh, yeah, the dads get it too. So we gotta, we've gotta all be set with the plan. That's a non-judgmental, no shaming plan to to get everybody back right, so you can be a happy family.
1: Mm-hmm. The rules are different. You know, you're not talking about it. You know, when I'm listening to you speak and you know reviewing your book, you're not talking about dads trying to be a second mom. No, you're talking about dads developing their role, and I think it's a brilliant path that you're taking people down.
4: You know, everybody has different roles that they play. And when I look at couples, I'll see some dads exhibit more mom behaviors and some moms exhibit more um, dad behaviors. And it's just the way it goes. You know, everybody's wired differently, but that kind of usually helps the people who are together in a good fit because they pick up where the other one doesn't. So I think it's not really gender specifically you know, roles, it's just the roles that are being filled. So the babies, the children are getting the nurturing that they need, and, and, you know, the the upbringing they need to see a good solid family.
1: Well, you know, that brings up, you know, something to mind, uh, for me, um, women may not want to be the at home caring, typical doting mom, and, and that's not wrong. As long as dad is able to you know, again, but I'm, I'm saying, you know, I'm ca- calling dad a second mom, but women aren't all the same. And I would imagine that in your discussion, like you're just saying here, um, there's not a one size fits all.
4: Strong suits. Everybody's got their strong suit. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, when, you know, I do work, do work with um, the at home dads network here mm. in the United States. And, and, you know, I do some, some broadcasts for them in their organization because there are a lot of dads who do stay home. There are a lot of moms who are the breadwinners. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, they they've been on the career path and the agreement was... I'm not going to stay home with the baby you are because I'm going back to work because that's mm-hmm. what I want. And that's, that's a choice that families make, you know, and you, you find out what works best for your family and your flow and your, your relationship and keeping the relationship strong. A lot of people, when a baby comes, put the baby in the forefront completely in the forefront and forget about the, their relationship and what's important. They're just loving on the baby and everything's the baby and obsession with the baby but that's not really great for the baby because it, the parents will draw, drive apart mm-hmm. and, and not find familiarity and not end up divorced. We know, our divorce rate's really high all over the world. It's crazy. And, Kids can uh, and, be a
1: stressor. No yeah, question about it.
4: Exactly. So having your plan to deal with that makes a big difference. And really, really, really having your your relationship in check and making sure to nurture your relationship, it makes a big difference
1: hundred percent and that's a key point I wanted to talk to you about communication um, my oldest son is uh, married two years married and and they've they've discussed from the get go my daughter in law is wanting to go back to work and you know he's um trying to become a fireman. He's applying to fire stations and they're very much in sync with which each other wants to do. And they're talking about this well before she's even pregnant or they're pregnant. So how vital is communication in the health of not only their relationship, but in the health of the family As a whole, do you talk to people and and families and couples
4: about this? So I guess I should tell you what my program is. So my in-person program, a lot of the guys get a little confused because they, they show up in the morning, right? And it's three and a half hours long, and it seems like it's a half hour. The guys, they can't, but they don't want to be there, half of them. I always say, how many of you guys were sentenced to be here? And the hands go up, right? And then we get started, and they actually start going, oh, and then they start getting really engaged because we start talking about communication, we start talking about family dynamic when it's just mom and dad, and you've got you've got these two. Just pick your two circles up in the and in front of you right one's mom one's dad well the relationship goes two ways that way and there's a lot that happens you can argue certain ways you can you can not argue you can ghost each other or, i don't know one of you goes to the bar everybody deals with things differently right mm-hmm. and, and and it doesn't mean it's right or wrong it's just how they deal and process well when you look at those two circles if you put another one in between them but down lower like a triangle You're gonna notice all those are now related and however the relationship, the bonds between the other two are affected, it affects all of them. Mm -hmm. And so typically, yeah, so typically when mom and dad are fighting, kids get that and it affects your relationship with their children, too. Because when you're mad or angry, do you think you respond to a kid that's going mom, 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 mom (laughs) the same way? Because, you know, kids know when you're on the phone or when you're mad, they know to do that. Right. It's like exactly universal, innate thing. They just know to bug you so badly when that happens. So if you're if you're able to control your emotions, you're going to you're going to respond differently. Right.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: And communication helps that. So it's learning how to have those arguments, learning how to how to side something. And it's funny because uh, my girlfriend now and I always joke around. We have fake fights because we don't really fight. And so Lucky you. <laughs> so we we take a fine, you know, we just mess around because we feel it's a little healthy to fight. Right. So we had to have a little bit of fighting in there. But the, the funny thing is, it's learning how to communicate and just express what your needs are and, and be able to trust the person on the other end that they're going to hear you and they're going to take that into account no matter what their emotion is. And it's learning how to how to put those side crazy feelings away and and a lot of people it takes time to learn how to communicate it's taken me almost 50 years I'm not even kidding. You know, it's just, it's not an easy thing. You know, it, practicing what I preach has become really a stronghold for me because I'm like, you know what? These are really good habits. I need to practice as well. So, well, I mean,
1: it's ongoing learning how to communicate because um, life changes. You've got a zig and yes. zag and you can't prepare for all of the conflicts and fights and scenarios. So it is. But I think you're right. If you build on the basics, at least you have a platform that you can start from. Yeah, um, Go ahead, go ahead Brian.
4: No, yeah, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and and so how far in advance is your optimal time for working with dads?
4: I like to get couples. dads in the mix when the mom's about 13 to 17 weeks pregnant because this is where we change their thought process because I teach them how to speak a different language how you know they're, they're going to now be including the baby in their language they're going to tell mom I can't wait to see you hold that baby because that's something we're going to use to really keep mom focused during labor when things get rough you're going to hold your baby tell me you want to hold your baby you know things like that and that are very motivating and very emotional so we when, when they start early practicing these behaviors it really smooths out that fighting time that typic, that's typical in, in pregnancies and I mean it's just a, a common denominator it happens and so approaching it differently really kind of throws off all those negative emotions or the emotions that are looking for a problem because they're trying to make sure everything's going to be okay see it's a primal thing you got to look back at, at, at our ancestors right they were living in caves. We were we were the prey. <laughs> there were predators out there, and so the female would, even in the nonverbal stage, would would show, discon- you know, not being happy, just to disconnect and anger and whatever, and that would force the male to have to go, no, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to show you, we're going to, you know, you're pregnant, you need to be doing this, I need to be doing this, we need to keep you safe, you need to take care of the baby, you know, and and playing those roles, and I think it it really helped, it helps keep that in mind when we're not really, you know, that strong of mind back in our ancestral days, right, living in caves. Now we overthink everything we communicate too much. So I think all that energy is put into a place that it's not it doesn't even know what it's doing. It's just chaotic a little bit. So you in order to to keep that from happening, the communication needs to come up and the partner needs to really step up and change the game. For their family. So it looks like a family now before the baby's even there. So I think getting the guys in early makes a big difference because they start practicing these behaviors and they see how it works. And I tell them, you know, arguing is like this. The person that you're arguing with doesn't really care what you have to say because they don't care. Their mind's made up. It's a done deal. So you're just going to sit there and shout back and forth. and it's going to turn into other things where they're going to be pulling things out of the air or you're going to be pulling things out of the air that are negative just because someone wants to win. That's our, mm-hmm. that's our point typically when we argue. We want to win the argument and show our point.
6: Yeah.
4: I tell the guys, I go, look, when you play tennis, you can return the, the serve or you can let it go by. I'm like, just let it go by. Yeah. What, what, what good is it going to do? Say yeah. you're sorry. Apologize. Make her feel better. Show sure, her you're going to be Pick there. Pick your
1: battles, right? Pick yeah. your battles.
4: And when they do this, they go, wow, that really works. She didn't believe me at first, but it took a couple of days. <laughs> you know, you got to practice this for a couple of days because the first time she'd be like, oh, nope, I don't believe you. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> so you have to like stay stay strong on it. But once they learn how to shift their energy and not really care to be right, Unless it's something really, really big, right? But typically, it's something really, really small. Like you got the wrong ice cream, or you know, why were you ten minutes late and you didn't call me, or who are you on the phone with, or you know what I mean? Yeah, Those are exactly. the typical things that happen now because people are so obsessed with their phones and their electronics. That are on their phone, so the dad, they're, who oh, are you texting? Let me see your phone. Blah, you know, and it just blows up because that's just the nature of it. They, they, they can't help it. Nature is saying, find something.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs>
4: And so dads need to be prepared for that and and check their behavior and not be going out to the bar with the boys and not be, you know, doing things like that, that if it's not what she wants and being a family, being there to support her and falling more in love with your partner.
1: Well, life is changing, right? Life is changing for everybody and they've got to change too. Now, you've written this great book and if you could summarize maybe, I don't know, five, eight points, your key, your key learning points for dad. What would they be?
4: Oh, boy. There's so many. (laughs) But I think the key learning points are, once again, going to be learning to communicate differently, speaking the language of pregnancy and parenting. One. Two is going to be to anticipate your partner's needs before she has them while she's pregnant so she feels taken care of because her body's taking a toll and she's working really hard to grow a baby and doesn't know what's going on exactly especially first babies right scary it's exciting but it's scary a lot of changes in your body you're feeling a little human move inside you yeah Uh there's a lot going on so i think that's that's another good point another good point is really being present postpartum and, and being in tune with your partner and being in tune with yourself. Cause like I said, men also get postpartum depression. They just act out different ways. Typically, you know, doing things they shouldn't be doing, you know, just um, disappearing a little bit or not being present and making mom feel bad. And, you know, th- that doesn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. So, so really being in check with your own emotions and how you, how you feel and how you're problem solving, how are you uh, communicating and how are you connecting with your partner? Uh, other things are to be not to make it not to downplay mom's plight because a lot of times when guys go back to work they've been perfect while they're home with mom and everything's been going good but then they go back to work and then they oftentimes because okay i guess i have to think about how we are as humans right we 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 have our preconceived notions when we see something right you see a bottle you think of a baby you see you know you see an ambulance think someone's getting hurt so so Guys will come home and they'll see their partner just laying there with the baby. And they think, oh, she's got an easy job. And I'm like, oh, babe, thank God you're <laughs> home. Can you do this? And they're like, they're like, well, you're just laying there, you know. And that's not the right oh, thing to say. because That
1: triggers those arguments we were talking stay about. Stay
4: home with the baby <laughs> all day by yourself, sir. In the minute that your partner comes home, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, mommy wommy's home from worky jerky or whatever. Because you're yeah. talking baby talk and you're just in this totally different. But you're like, I'm not myself. Where is my person? You know, so. So I think that's like a big thing, not, not looking at a situation and assuming that's what it is, because it's not, it's not easy being a new mom and having to feed a baby every two hours and, and having to take care of the baby, the baby crying and not knowing the baby's needs yet. Cause you're still learning your baby. It takes a little while to learn your baby and baby babies definitely have things they want to communicate. There's another big tip I want to give. That is something that I notice a lot as a lactation consultant but it doesn't just affect feeding. It affects mom's psyche and sometimes dad's psyche too. Little babies, they do not they don't know how to handle a lot of stimulation in the emotional connection aspect at first so what happens is right before usually about 10 minutes before they want to eat or something they start getting this dreamy look in their eyes they'll look at mom all cute and coo and move their their face a little bit right and it's real sweet I don't know if you remember that but oh I do (laughs) then suddenly they move their face and they won't look at you And mom's like, wait, look at me. Where are you going? Hey, baby, baby. And they start trying to like really stimulate the baby. Well, the reason the baby looks away is because the baby's overstimulated already. And I see a lot of people really trying to overstimulate babies all the time. And they can't handle that. It makes them grumpy.
1: I did not know that though, yes we 're always in the baby 's faces right
4: yeah so there
1: 's so much Brian to talk about I, I love this this area of uh, dad 's postpartum um, we 're not going to be able to get into it, but that definitely is worth another show because um, that 's very interesting. Um, the one thing I do want to highlight that you said there that we didn 't touch upon too much is you know in the in the you, you know air quotations normal. Relationship, the mom stays home and the, the dad goes to work. Uh, I can tell you firsthand that those first few months where um, you're basically cut off, especially if you were working and then you're, you're at home, that can be mm-hmm. very trying. It can be extremely trying. And you I question tell you
4: who you are. Oh,
1: yeah, I'm a, I remember calling my office like every day, what's going on? How is everybody? And all you are, you know, for the first little bit is a feeding machine. Um, it can be very difficult. So that's a key area for dads to, to get a grip. You say the wrong thing coming home from work and boy, oh boy, you're in for a world of hurt.
4: Yeah, just really, really just be be sensitive to your partner. You know, mm-hmm. I wrote an op-ed for Prince Harry. It was a, a letter to him mm-hmm. <laughs> before his baby came. And and I talked about a lot of these things, postpartum depression, mental mental health, mom and dad, and uh, just, you know, really, really, giving your partner the space that they need not to be you know bombarded by a lot of people especially if you're in the royal family right so so really postpartum I, I think um, touching on that dad's real dad has a protector type of a of a place and that's just the way that it works keeping people from coming over when someone if someone's starting to say the wrong things and upsetting mom get clear in the room uh-huh. you know understand but doing it really tactfully knowing how to handle it and work with the room so mom doesn't get more upset but she feels protected because there's a very being a parent um kathy your mom you know this three times over right um you need to feel protected by your partner mm-hmm. during this time. And like you, you don't have the energy to, to, you know, deal with someone emotionally when you're feeling already, you know, a little while, you don't have that energy. I and mean, when your partner can handle it for you in a very, you know, nice, easy way. That's great. I mean, it it is. And it, you know, it just, it brings
1: us mom. back there full circle to, um, you know, the dad's job isn't to be the second mom. The dad has extremely vital and as equal role in the parenting process mm-hmm. as the mom. Um, now, the, the birth guys go-to guide for new dads is your book, where can we find it?
4: Well, it's in Canada. Someone on Instagram. It is. We're in like nine countries. It came out in German this month. So I'm waiting for my German copy, which will be cool. And it's being translated to Spanish right now, too. But in Canada, I know that it's it's at a lot of the bookstores. You can order it on Amazon. You can uh, they actually sent me a picture from what's the name of the place? It was like a it's a indigo or pharmacy pharmacy. Um, but at Great nice. Britain, Little Britain or Great Britain or something like that, something Britain pharmacies in, in Canada, they actually had like a stand for them and everything. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, thank you. But yeah, it's out there and it's great. And I also have a, an online course that people can watch. There's like five minute snippets to watch the whole time that gets you through it. Um, so there's modules and it's called Rocking Dads. It's at RockingDads.com. Um, and if people want to know more about what I do, I guess you can look at, at birthguidebook.com, because that has a, it has a, bu- a book trailer that's really kind of cool. It tells my story a little bit.
1: Excellent. And we will have all that posted when the podcast comes out after the show's released. Thank you so much for joining us. What a great topic and what a great area of expertise you have. It's been very enjoyable.
4: Well, thanks so much, Kathy. It's been my pleasure to be here. And to all the listeners out there, congratulations if you're having a baby, congratulations if you are a parent, and congratulations (laughs) if you're surviving it, right? Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Everybody, thank you for joining in today, and we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub.